You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Take your Bibles, please. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. <clears throat> I don't know many more songs that are more encouraging than that. I love that song. I love hearing Brother John sing it too. Genesis chapter 22 in your Bibles. <clears throat> Busy month we've got coming up here. We've got a lot of things going on. We've got, uh, of course, Vision Sunday today, then the Ministry Expo next week, Next Step Sunday. And uh, in the Ministry Expo, there will be some booths there as well uh, for if you, know, if you did not sign up already or you don't see me today about baptism or something. We'll have some information there about baptism, church membership, things like that, so that you can take whatever that next step is for you. And then we've also got, we normally do baby dedication in February, but we're doing it in uh, January this year. So if you know uh, someone or if you have a child and you want them and you're dedicating yourself to raise that child right, really, and uh, maybe they can't make it this year. I already know somebody who can't make it this year to baby dedication, but they'll make it next year. In fact, it's the Dejaros. They'll have a baby next year for baby dedication. So we're excited for them. Adding more to the nursery. So I think they're, I say they, but they're already three months along. And so we are just so super excited for them. And, uh, and for all the teenage girls that get to just hold this baby constantly. And uh, so, but uh, it'll be great. So we're so excited for you too. That's a wonderful thing. And uh, the baby is due... July 7th. Now, I was born July 6th, so what I told them is if it happens, he or she happens to be born on the 6th, it has to be named after me. That's just the deal. So, no, I'm kidding. Don't name the, don't do that, but, uh, but it's, it's good. We're excited, but I think, is it, Jen, is it your dad has a birthday on the 6th as well? So he and I share a birthday, so that's going to be really special, so we're excited for them. All right, Genesis chapter number 22, and uh, if God is faithful, say amen this morning. All right, thank you. Genesis chapter 22. I want to look down at a story here that you know, most of you know. And uh, talking about Abraham, of course, the father of the Jewish race, so to speak, uh, uh, where, where God promised him that he would make of him a great nation. And look, if you would, at verse 1 in Genesis 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, we need to just stop for a second. That word tempt there doesn't mean God was tempting Abraham to sin. It was a testing. It was a testing. Uh, and said unto him, Abraham, and he, sold, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. Now, God has asked me to do some things that got me out of my comfort zone. But God's never asked me to make a burnt offering out of one of my children. And that's a strange thing that we, we, we reading it now, may think, well, what a, an odd thing. But we weren't used to the sacrificial system, and we weren't used to what's happening in the Old Testament here. But God had already... We'll see that God already promised Abraham some things about that son, Isaac. And so, uh, but God told him to do this. And so just as a, and he's giving a testing there to Abraham. Verse number three, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. 
and saddled his ass or his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. So he just got up and did what God said. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. That's a faith statement right there. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. In other words, he's carrying it. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac said unto Abraham his father, uh, spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I can't even imagine. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. Now look, that, that son was never in any danger. It wasn't like God almost missed it. Oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. No, it wasn't that way at all. God knew exactly what he was doing. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him, for now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, that only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord. It shall be seen. Our theme for the year, God is. We're talking about God all year long. We want to remember who God is, and we want to remember what God has done. And this month, we're talking about the fact that God is faithful. God is faithful. What's the word faithful mean? Now, when we talk about faithfulness in church, we're referring to you being in church, and we can count on the fact that you would be in church. If we are being faithful to our spouse, we are, we are saying that, hey, we are trustworthy to our spouse. They can count on us for some things. If you look the word faithful up in the dictionary, it means steadfast, steadfast in affection or allegiance. It means a firm, or firm in adherence to promises. Affirm in adherence, you keep your promises, or in observance of duty. It means loyal. To be faithful is to be loyal. It is to be constant. It is to be steady. And I want to just say this morning that God can be trusted. That's what it means that God is faithful. God can be trusted. God is constant. God is steady. God is steadfast. God is loyal. That's the God that you have and the God that I have and the God of the Bible. He is a faithful God that you can trust. That's what we need to know this morning. Abraham knew that his God could be trusted. David knew that his God could be trusted. Noah, when he was building an ark for a hundred years, knew that his God could be trusted. And I believe that as Abraham was taking his son and they were going up to, the, uh, to, to Mount Moriah there, I believe that Abraham knew that his God could be trusted. Can I tell you something? When you go to work tomorrow, your God can be trusted. When you go to the hospital with a sickness, your God can be trusted. When someone you know is getting out of church or getting away from God, hey, your God can still be trusted. 
God is faithful and God can be trusted. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Father, we pray for your blessings upon us this morning. We want to thank you for being trustworthy. We pray for your help now during the message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to show you several things here. Number one, I want to say this. God is faithful in the very core of his person. God is faithful in the very core of who he is as a person. In his his very being, his essence, he is faithfulness. That's what he is. you, You can trust God as a person, not just as a concept or as an idea. He is faithful. <clears throat> Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, we sang this morning. We named our kids. We started with Titus, Zoe, Silas, and Kelly. And uh, we, we, we named them. And then, we, of course, we have Louie and Bowser. Louie's our cat. Bowser's our dog. But when we named them, we thought, wait a second, names mean things, right? So we've got to be careful what you name our kid. You don't want to, you know, name a kid something that means, like, stinky or, you know, something. You want to make sure that your, the names mean something good. And so as we went through, we, we found the name we liked and then, you know, saw if it matched up. And we saw Titus. We liked that name. It's a Bible name and a Greek name and, and also Roman and, and different things. And one, and, uh, I forget if it's Greek or Roman, one of them means hero and the other means giant, and I was like, well, that's a cool name. Like if, you know, we just like the name Titus, but, but if you look it up, at least it means something good, right? And so, you know, so that's a good name. And then when we were having Zoe, uh, when she was in the womb, she was very active. In fact, since she's been out of the womb, she's very active. Give me a second here. Let me get this. You know what? It's not coming unbuttoned. I'm just going to leave it then. All right. But, uh, and so we decided to name her Zoe, which the Greek word Zoe means life. Abundant life. So when you see in the Bible that, that God, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, that you may have more abundantly, the word is zoe, Z-O-E with the little dots over it. So we thought, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, we like the name Zoe, but we, we like the definition as well. Silas is, of course, a Bible name. Now, now there is some debate as to what that name means. If you look in Hebrew, it means like, you know, uh, comforting or beloved or something like that. But, but uh, in, uh, in Greek, where it comes from, Silas means man of the forest. And what's funny about that is I wanted to name him Bear. I wanted to name him Bear. What a cool name. You know, here's Bear Reynolds coming down uh, the, the aisle, you know. That would be a great name. And, uh, but my wife was like, he'll have names. He, people will call him Teddy Bear and Pooh Bear and make fun of him. And I was like, well, you know, only mean people would do that. But, but, uh, but uh, so that's Silas's name. Kelly's name. Kelly is a Gaelic name, Irish name, that means warrior. I like to say it means warrior princess, but my wife doesn't like it when I say that. But, uh, so, but I call her warrior princess there, like, you know, the old TV show, that, that girl that was the warrior, what, I don't know. But, uh, but it, it, it's what it means, and it could be, of course, a man's name or a woman's name, but it means warrior. And uh, I figure, you know, like, that's, that's pretty accurate, too, if you know Kelly. You, you'll usually hear her before you see her, but, but uh, she's pretty, uh, you know, out there. Now, we named Bowser and Louie, it means annoying and unwanted. That's what those names mean. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what they mean. I don't even know what they mean. We didn't look it up. But, uh, but names, you know, they, they carry a meaning, right? When you get a name, I wonder if you know what your name means. I, I've looked up my name before, E-L-Y, and, and you know, in some language it means servant of God, I think, in Hebrew or something like that. There are some, but names carry, names carry more meaning than just what they mean, you know what I mean? Like, they, they carry more than just what the technical definition is, but names are important. And I'm looking at today, I want to let you know that God's name is faithful. 
The Bible says in Revelation 19, 11, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, just talking about Jesus, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, but they're capitalized. His name is called. That, in other words, you could look at God and say, hello, faithful. Hello, true. And it would fit, because that is his name. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. Abraham learned this. That's why he was willing to offer his son. In, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Bible says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, the Bible says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isaiah knew of God's faithfulness. In Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things, thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. David talked about God's faithfulness. In Psalm 36, 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. In Psalm 89, 1 and 2, Ethan said, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. God can't change who he is. It's called immutability. God doesn't change. If he was ever faithful, he's still faithful. If you could trust him yesterday, you could trust him today, and you can trust him tomorrow. If David could trust him, you could trust him. If Abraham could trust him, then you can trust him. God is faithful in the very core of who he is as a person. But can I say secondly, God is faithful to keep his promises too. God is faithful to keep his promises. We're in Genesis chapter number 22. Look back at chapter 12, if you would. Genesis chapter number 12. This is where God gave that promise to Abraham. In Genesis chapter number 12. Very important passage of, of scripture here. The start of the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, which he would change his name to Abraham later, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. How is he going to make of him a great nation? Well, he's going to have to have children. And at this point, he had had no children. And so he knew that if God was going to make a great nation out of him, then that would mean they were going to have kids. But for years and years and years, they did not have those children. Look, if you would, keep going forward in your Bible, chapter 17. In chapter 17 of Genesis, God reminds Abraham of that promise that he had already made to him. God did not forget the promise that he made. In chapter 17 of Genesis, look if you would at verse number 16. <clears throat> well, verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. God had promised to make a great nation out of Abraham as the sands of the seashore. And God had never broken a promise to Abraham because he's never broken a promise. So Abraham knew that God could keep his word. 
We have a couple in our church. They're not here today, but they have been married for 76 years. <clears throat> the Villarreal's, Ramona Maria, been married for 76 years. 76 years ago, they made promises to one another. And for 76 years, they have kept that promise. They are still faithful. Take your Bible, go to Romans chapter number 4 in the New Testament. This is a very important passage here. Romans chapter number 4 in the New Testament, if you would. Thank you for staying with me in your Bibles, because this is such a great passage of Scripture. This is so good. Romans chapter number 4. It's going to talk about Abraham. Now, the whole passage is saying, look, Abraham got to heaven the same way you get to heaven. It's by faith. By faith is what gets you to heaven. Trusting in Christ as your Savior is what gets you to heaven, not your good works, okay? That's the, what he's talking about here. He's talking about faith. But if you look down at Romans chapter number 4, verse number 16, notice what it says about Abraham in this passage of Scripture. At the very end of, of verse 16, it says, But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, you know, quickeneth means makes alive the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who, this is talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So God had said, your seed will be like this. You'll, you'll be the father of many nations. But Abraham's 100 years old. And he's like, you know, is this going to happen? But he believed, and he, he believed, and he had hope. Look at verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What's that say? It's saying that Abraham heard from God and he still believed in God that even at a hundred years of age, God could quicken some dead things. God could make a child from him even at a hundred years of age. Now look at it, it says in verse 22. Look at verse 20. I love this verse. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What did Abraham believe? He believed that God would keep his word. He believed that God would do what he said he would do. He believed that God would stick to his promises. Abraham believed. He didn't even stagger at it. He was fully persuaded. That has nothing. By the way, your faith should have nothing to do with you. Your faith has everything to do with God. And it is him that you're trusting in. It's not you that you're trusting in. So why limit your faith? Why have small faith if you have such a big God? That's what Abraham was saying. I believe God. The New Testament tells us, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Even if you don't believe, God is still faithful. He cannot deny himself, it says. So God keeps his word even when you don't believe he will. What if God was as faithful to keep his promises to us as we are to keep our promises to him. Well, I don't want to think about that because I've made some promises to God over the years. And I failed to keep some promises to God over the years. I'm thankful that 
that God is still faithful even when I'm not. God is faithful. Think about this. What's he faithful to do? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. What is he? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you confess it to God, God is faithful to forgive it every time. Deuteronomy 7, 9, the, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God is, is, is faithful in the very core of his person, who he is. He, is. he is just faithful, but he's also faithful to keep his promises. But can I say thirdly, he's also faithful to continually provide. He is faithful to continually provide. Now, if you'll go back to Genesis, I know I have you turn back and forth, but Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22 in your Bibles. I want to show you a verse here. Now, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 22, think with me for a second. Do you think this is how it played out? God asked Abraham to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him, and then changed his mind, and then there just happened to be a ram caught in the thicket. I don't believe that for a second. I believe we know exactly what happened. God had a plan throughout it. God had the ram already ready to go because he knew what was going to happen. God knew because God continually provides. Look at verse 8 of chapter 22 of Genesis. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide Maybe you just need to underline those three words, circle them, put them on your phone, write them down, put them on the dashboard of your car, keep it on, the, in, in front, on your computer screen. God will provide. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. But you could say God will provide a lot of things. God will provide for you. God will provide for me. But look if you would. After God provided the lamb in verse 13, there was the ram caught in the thicket. And he offered that for a burnt offering. Look at verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. What we don't realize as New Testament Christians is the progressive revelation of the character of God. Here's what I mean. In the Old Testament, they did not know everything about God that we know now. God revealed more and more and more and more of himself. And as you look through scripture, the, the word there, Jehovah, is the name of God. And, 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 and Jehovah Jireh, there's also Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah, all these other things that God has revealed himself to be. And here we have the revelation that God is the provider. God will provide. And Abraham calls it Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I want you to take your Bible, hold your place here. Probably the last place I'll have you go is Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. This is the last place I'll have you go. Hebrews chapter 11 in the, toward the back of the Bible. Hebrews chapter number 11. You start from Revelation at the very end and go back towards the front, about six or seven books, 
seven or eight books back there, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the, what we call the hall of what? Faith. And uh, where people were famous, not because of exploits, but because of faith. You know, nowadays people get famous by opening boxes on TikTok or Snapchat. You know, we're going to do an unboxing today. Who cares? <laughs> Look at this new kitchen gadget. No, I don't care about I don't have time for that. People are famous for the craziest of things today. But in the Bible, people were famous because of their faith. And look, if it, guess who they talk about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Well, verse 8 starts talking about Abraham, but verse 17 is where we want to look at. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, there's the word tried, and the in the Old Testament, we saw the word tempted, but the word is tried or, or tested. By, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, and it continues and continues and continues. But, but notice what it was, what it was say, saying there in verse 19. Abraham was giving Isaac on the altar. And he was believing that God could do something that no one had ever seen God do before. Nobody had ever raised from the dead in the Old Testament at this point. Nobody had been dead and God said, called, called. there was no Lazarus. There, there was no Jairus' daughter who was sick and to death. There was no Talitha Kumai where God called back a young lady from the dead. There was no Jesus resurrecting yet. But Abraham had so much faith in God that he said, you know what, even though he's never seen it happen... I believe that even if I were to take my son's life, that God could just raise him back up. Wow, what's he saying? He's saying, I believe that God can provide a miracle that I've never seen before. That is faith in God. And it says there that he also received him in a figure. What's that mean? It was the, a figure that, that even though he was dead, he could be raised back. It was a figure or a, or a picture of the resurrection of Christ and the, also the resurrection of believers. It's an amazing thing when you think about how that happened in the context there, that he knew God could provide the miracle that he needed. We have two members of our church that are here today, and I don't want to embarrass them, but this literally happened. One of our men was out in the garden or somewhere doing some work. He collapsed. His heart stopped beating, and he died. And his wife came over and began to beat on his chest. And after a little bit of time, he came back to life. I didn't even know this until like months later. He's like, oh, pastor, by the way, I died. Really? Yeah, I'm fine. You know why I didn't notice? Because they were in church the next week. Hey, by the way, the next time you feel like you're coming up with an excuse for why you need to miss work or why you need to miss church, 
Remember that there are people that are literally coming back from the dead to be at church here, okay? Remember that, okay? When you're like, I maybe want to miss this week. Goodness. You see, God can provide a miracle that you need. What can God do? God is providing for you. I don't see anybody barefoot today. I don't see anybody without clothing. No burlap sacks being worn in here. Most of you came to church in a car. And many of you in a nice one. Some of you need to get rid of your car. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I don't even know. But, uh, you, you know, you, or if you're like me, you walked for a little ways. But I had comfortable shoes to walk in. I had a nice overcoat. What, what am I saying? Uh, you can tell God's feeding me real well. God's provided. Why is it that we doubt that God can provide? I'll tell you why we doubt. I don't think all the time that we're doubting that God can. We doubt that God will because of who we are. And we think, I, I, you know what? I know God can provide, Pastor. I know that God is faithful. But see, the problem is, it's not my lack of faith in God. My problem is, is me. The problem is, I don't think God loves me. I don't think God likes me. I don't think God wants to bless me. I don't think God wants to do any good in my life because I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But we're forgetting that God knew those things about all of us when he still was providing you with oxygen and air and and, and love and, and food and clothing and shelter. He hasn't stopped any of those things. Why would he stop providing for you? Because if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful. He's just. He always is. God can provide that miracle you need. That, that job that you need, God can provide it. That, that, uh, uh, that, those weekends off where you're working instead of at church, God can give you that. The, the words to say to that unsafe family, you don't know what to say, God can provide that. The courage you need to venture out for God, God can give you that. God is faithful. God provides for you. He is the Lord will provide it's not about you, it's about who he is in his character. We see that God is faithful in the core of his person. God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to continue to provide. But lastly this morning, God is faithful in his constant protection. In his constant protection. God was watching over Isaac. Isaac was never in any danger. What was, you know, why would God do that? Isaac was never in any danger. This was about God about to do something amazing through Abraham and wanted to say, Abraham, you can trust me no matter what. God knew that Abraham could handle that. And God knows what you can handle too. God knows what you can't handle. People say sometimes, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. Yes, he does. Say why? So that you'll trust him. Now, God will never give you more than you and God can handle, but he all the time gives us, he all the time gives me more than I can handle, and I'll go to him and say, God, I can't handle this. I can't, I can't carry this. What do I do? I need you, your strength. So all the time God does it, absolutely. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. He's protecting you from evil. God is constantly watching over his children. He gives protection. Why do some people not seem to get the protection then? I'll tell you why some people don't seem to get the protection of God. It's because God has uh, his authority right here, and we like to get out from under that authority. 
And when we get out from the, un, under the authority of God, bad things happen. But when we stay under the authority of God, we have the watchful protection of God over us. As parents, if your child runs away or leaves the house at 18 and goes off and does their own thing, they're no longer under your protection. But they come under your roof, and guess what? There's protection there. And when God, when we are just saying, hey, I'm not trying to do my own thing, Lord. I want to stay right where you want me. There is protection there. I love the verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you've never read it, write that down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're, you're able but will also, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I love that verse. Why is it saying there? It's saying God will not allow a temptation into your life that you cannot beat. Why? He's protecting. He's protecting. He's saying you can beat it. Now, whether you beat it or not is up to our decisions. I think it's such a relief to know that nothing gets to me without going through the hand of God. That God is watching, God is constantly protecting. I read a story years ago, it's a true story, about Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey was a music leader for the evangelist D.L. Moody in the 1800s. And of course Moody had like two million people come down the aisle and get saved and went, was based in Chicago but went everywhere. Ira Sankey was the music leader and he was on a steamboat a steamboat, folks, on December 24th, 1875. <clears throat> One of the people on the boat recognized him and asked him to sing because he was a great singer, a great song leader. And, and so he sang the song that's in our hymn book, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. <clears throat> that's the song he sang. After he got done singing on that steamboat, a man emerged out of the shadows and said, Excuse me, Mr. Sankey, did you, did you serve in the Union Army? And he said, yeah, I do. I, I did. The man said, can you remember if you were ever doing picket duty on a bright, moonlit night in 1862? It's kind of an odd thing to ask, you know, hard to remember that. He said, well, yeah, I, I did do that. The man said, I was in the Confederate Army. And uh, I saw you standing at your post. You didn't see me. And I raised my gun. I raised my gun and I took aim. I was standing completely concealed. The full light of the moon was on you. What an easy shot it would have been. And I thought to myself, that fellow will never get away alive. He said, I raised my musket and took aim. And at the very instant that I was about to shoot you, you raised your eyes to heaven and began to sing that exact same song. I thought to myself, let him sing his song to the end, and then I'll shoot him. He said, I remember hearing the words perfectly. We are thine, do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. And the man said, I began to think of my childhood and my God-fearing mother who sang that same song to me. When you finished singing, it was impossible for me to take aim again, and my arm of its own accord dropped limp at my side. And I thought to myself, the Lord who is able to save that man from certain death must surely be great and mighty. What a mighty God we serve. Protection. 
protection. God watching over each of us. God was watching over Abraham and Isaac. God was watching over his people. As we close, some people may think, well, why would God want his servant to offer up his only son on an altar? Well, first of all, it wasn't ever going to go through with it. But secondly, I'd say this. It represented the fact that God himself would do that very same thing with his son. Thousands of years later, on just about the same mountaintop, Jesus Christ would be offered for the sins of the whole world, but God wouldn't spare him. God would let his only begotten son be slain so that we could go to heaven. In Romans 8, 32, it says that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us, freely give us all things? The question tonight or this morning is not, is God faithful? The question is, are we? Are we faithful? You can count on God this year. You can count on him. And maybe this is the year that you need to start trusting him more. Maybe this is the year you get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes upon the object of your faith, which is Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to remember that God is watching and God is protecting, that God keeps his word, that God is working on your behalf. God is faithful. Let's try to do our best to be faithful back to him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, well, I'd encourage you today to make the decision once and for all to say, I want to trust and put my faith in that faithful God.